When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends Kristen Balboni, Miles Simmons, and Will Bryan. Welcome to the Happy Half Hour podcast. I'm Kristen Balboni here with my, I'm going to say it, my good buddies, Miles Simmons and Will Bryan. But of course, the jury is still out on if you guys are good buddies with each other. We'll do a check in on that. Like, I think it's just going to be a weekly thing. Um, but I'm safe and secure in my friendship with both of you, I hope. Um, so how are you guys doing? Miles. <laughs> I'm great. I'm fantastic. Uh, you know what? I'm never better. My my belongings are still in route, you know, to get oh, still? to here in Is, Charlotte. Was that yeah. the plan? Well, I was initially told that, uh, that my things would be here as uh, today, which is Tuesday as we record this. Um, but now that's not going to be until Thursday. So, you know what? We're just uh, going to keep living. I don't know. So I'm fantastic. I've never been better in my life. You have the car, <laughs> though. That's the important thing. I do, my car is here. So, like, there and there are many, many, many worse things that, you know, could happen to me. And Yeah, so on the bright side, no one's going to notice if you're wearing the same clothes over and over again because we're doing everything by Zoom. Not only that, nobody has seen me except for you guys. So, I think, uh, I think we're okay. You're two best friends in yeah. North Carolina. <laughs> my my, my one go, best yeah. friend, that's you, Kristen. And then, uh, you know, Will, Will, can, Will can be my friend this week, but I don't know if I'd call him a good buddy yet. Your casual acquaintance and coworker, yeah. Will Bryan. I, I, I will take friend. I will absolutely take that. I'm running with that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are, are doing well. Um, I, I'm excited that we're doing that this this week because we have something that is just huge in terms of of Panthers. I don't know if you want to call it news because what would you call it, Will? Uh, Panthers news, Panthers content, something that really, really exciting is coming out on the day that we're releasing this podcast on Thursday. And that is the 03 reunion Zoom that a, a big group of that 2003, that incredible team did together. And it is, it's just so amazing. I can't wait to talk to you all about it. And Will, I'm so excited to talk to you about it because you were really uh, one of the main reasons that it happened and you were really there from beginning to end. And I would love to know, first of all, how did the idea start? How did it all come together? Well, I think as we were starting to kind of build out these 
these Zoom ideas back in in April and in late March when the quarantine started. And, you know, we had these ideas for the draft and the schedule release show, and it just seemed natural that like, of course, we should get this particular group on, especially as we were you know putting out all these videos about uh, kind of old classic games. You know, how, what better than to get some of the original people that were um, you know involved in those? And I think I I was a bit surprised myself by how well it came together i i reached out to kevin donnelly who of course has been doing you know so much of our content for um our video channels uh, over the last several years and you know it's incredible how how quickly he can just send a text and all of a sudden you have all these guys that are all in and he's like he sent me a text he's like hey should i text john fox should we just have him come on too and i'm like yeah but don't tell anybody about it so as you see when when coach fox just appears there like 15 minutes into it it was a complete surprise. Like those guys had no idea that coach Fox was going to be on it. So that was really cool to kind of see how all of that came together and just, you know, the, the way the whole thing flowed and how much love, you know, is between those guys. You know, I don't think that that particular group, um, you know, with Mike Minner and Mike Rucker on the defensive side and, and Moose and Smitty and Kevin Donnelly and Jordan and Jake, you know, obviously some of those guys were in the hall of honor last year. So they all saw each other, but the rest of them, you know, they all have had, you know, different things going on in their lives. You know, Coach Fox is, was on TV and coaching for the last decade. So I don't think they had all really gathered like that, um, which was a really cool thing to kind of watch that happen. It really was. And that's one of the things that I think we've learned with Zoom. And I just hats off uh, to you for, for thinking about doing this. It's I think that if we were in normal times, it, it would be incredibly hard to get all of those guys together, you know, and you might say, well, we're not going to do it on Zoom because, well, you know, it'd look better in person. We'll see if we can figure something out at a game or something like that. And that's just the beauty. I don't know if that would have ever happened if 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 we weren't doing all of our content exclusively on Zoom. You get all those people. You get the surprise of John Fox. I mean, I don't think it could have been any better. I absolutely, as a fan, um, I could not have loved it more. I mean, in the first five minutes, you get John Fox surprising everybody, which is just the best. And that voice and just like his personality coming through immediately. It, it's so good. Miles, I'm curious, you know, Will and I grew up as, as Panthers fans. Um, what did you think watching it? Um, and did you learn kind of about this team a little bit uh, by watching this this reunion? Yeah, you know, it was very educational, and it's interesting as sort of as background um, on more about the 03 Panthers, because as a football fan, and when you grow up a football fan, you know which teams are good, right? You know which teams are in the Super Bowl, and you understand why those teams are in the Super Bowl on a superficial level, but so I went on YouTube, and you know, you, you can go to YouTube and find all kinds of things, and so there was an NFL film special on the 03 Carolina Panthers. So I watched that and it really, I thought, painted this picture of why they were good, which was their defense. They could really run the ball really well. And so I thought watching it, then when you see all the results that, and as it translated, and of course they go to the Super Bowl and win the NFC Championship game, right? Like that, you then see the players and the humans that they are, and you see the humans that they've become. And you see why, I think you see why that team was so good. And they talked about this in the piece. They were such a connected team. And I think when you see teams that go on to the Super Bowl or teams that win the Super Bowl, those players always talk about how connected they were as a team and how good the chemistry was 
on that team because look, uh, all of the teams in the NFL have talent. That's why you get that saying any given Sunday. But the teams that go on to win Super Bowls, the teams that win you know conference championship games, those are the teams that are very very connected. And so I thought that was really interesting just to hear them talk specifically about that because in my experience covering the league, that's exactly what it takes in order to get to that level. Miles, I, I think, that oh god, that sorry, yeah, that that video. Like I actually used to watch it every sun, like every week one before like week one kicked off for like 15 years, literally. Oh my God. Can, wow. can you I just imagine it, like I watched it every year. Yeah. Kid will in his house in Charleston, oh just like God. getting pumped watching that. Thing. Got, did so you, did I know you put every like a uh... line? I know every single line of, of that thing, like starting with, with like Foxy and the Redskins preseason game. Hey Coop, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All smiles here to there. Like I know every single line of it. It's, and it's now, ridiculous. and now, the rest of this podcast is just going to be Will doing a dramatic <laughs> recitement of the NFL films. Did you put? Okay, question. As you watch that, I love that you watch that uh, to get ready for the season. Did you put on Eye Black at your house to get yourself hyped up? Um, I can neither confirm nor deny what <laughs> I was wearing oh while I goodness. used to watch that when I was in high school. I love it. Yeah. We got to get that. In we got to get a, a full dramatic reading or. Um, uh, reenactment at some point, no doubt about it. Uh, we're going to hold you to that. I do want to talk though about something, Miles, that you just said about how connected this team was. That's something that I picked up on. You know, even watching the team in real time and hearing uh, some of the players talk to each other and you know reminisce about that '03 season, but seeing them all together, you can still feel the chemistry. And it was something that Kevin Donnelly said that I really liked. And I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, Miles, when you said, you know, I played for more talented teams, you know, bigger names, uh, better talent. But when you talk about how connected this team was, you couldn't find a team that was more in sync, more connected. And I, I thought there was another great point. And Will, you've seen so many Panthers uh, teams. I, I would love to get your take on this where they said, and you saw it really in this Oh three reunion that there was no doubt about it. John Fox was very tough. I mean, uh, listening to them describe those training camps, especially that first one. I mean, they just sounded absolutely brutal. But then you turn around and then the rookies do a show for the vets where they're all making fun of everybody. And it's just they knew exactly when to lock in and they prepared and they were competitive and they were so focused. And, you know, Fox did not go easy on them at all. But then in the same breath, they could turn around and crack a joke, which I absolutely love. And I think that's something that kind of intangible quality that goes into not just having a connected team, but just, you know, I think that's another element in having a great team, a team that wants to to fight for each other. I, I think there's there's some interesting generational differences. Um, and, you know, I'm going to sound like the old man on his front lawn saying this, but you know, there, there's such a difference now. You go in the locker room, and I'm not saying that one is better or worse than the other, but all these guys, everyone has their cell phone. I mean, just like all of us. We're on Twitter. We're on social media. You know, we're connecting. We're texting. We're connecting with people. Like, back then, I guarantee you in 2003, half of those guys didn't have cell phones in that locker room, you know? And when they talked about, like, all the pranks they used to pull, you know, like Jake emptying out kevin donnelly's shampoo every time he walked by his his locker or like people dumping water on whoever was in the stall like that's that's what they had to do and that's how they 
spent their time. They spent all day when they weren't practicing or studying film, thinking of ways to prank each other, you know? So it, 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 it was just a different, it's a different scenario and like a different way that technology or people interact with, with each other. That's just a little bit different now. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm sorry, but if we're talking pranks, I was going to get to this a little bit later, but can we talk about uh, Rod Smart running naked on the treadmill? That was right? just kind of oh dropped in there. Oh my God. That oh was yeah. just kind of dropped just in there. Like out there. Yeah. There's so many moments like that where they all were trying to just like fit in just a random story. Like, wait a minute. No, we need another 10 minutes just on that. <laughs> yeah, we need to rank the top. We need them all getting together again to rank the top 10 pranks of that 03 season. But yeah, I loved the the water when Steve Smith said that he could aim and pour a bucket of water on someone and get the, the toilet paper holder and the person at the same time. I was just like, that is, I knew the guy was talented, but that is really talented at another level. Um, but I love, I loved all of that. I loved, I know I mentioned it. I loved the rookie show. I thought that was, I just think it's a great, you can tell how much fun those guys had, but at the same time, there was uh, no denying the, the respect for Foxy. There was no denying, um, just how hard they wanted to work. And I, I thought that was just a really interesting thing that was kind of the through line that they all brought up um, of that team that entire season was just, we we play hard, we work hard, you know, we have each other's backs. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I really liked the lightness and you can tell how much all of those guys still really care about each other. No doubt. And you know, what I really thought was interesting too was how they said training camp and stuff was under John Fox and how when John Fox came in, everything sort of shifted. The mentality had to shift because he said, uh, I think it was Minter that was like, you know, when you've lost 15 games yes. in a row, you have no choice. You have to shut up and listen, right? And that was then, my favorite line when he's yeah. John Fox said, listen, anyone who was on this team last year, if you lose 15 games in a row, shut up. Like, I don't want to right. hear it. What, yeah, a, what it's, a tone to set. It was, and then you know you had uh, Smitty talking about you know magic, the anagram of magic with, with a T at the end. Where it's tough, <laughs> magic right? tough. So yes, magic, magic. Um, but the, it's interesting though because then you know Steve Smith also was talking about how the CBA got changed because of coaches like John Fox because Donnelly is just cutting people out here in practice, which is just not something. It is absolutely not something that you can do in practice nowadays. And I well, probably back then, right? Like it just was not something that was typically done. <laughs> but at the same time, it was one of those things where you can change the mentality of a team because you have to be tough in practice and then you have to make that translate onto the field. So, and obviously like one of my favorite things to say in like the NFL is there's so many different ways that you can win. Um, so because of that, it's so, there are just so many different ways that you can get to the top. So look, especially now people aren't doing that to get to the Super Bowl, but obviously back then for the Panthers, it worked. So that's why I think you still see coaches today like, oh man, they're limiting how much practice time they don't have because that's what they're used to and they've seen it work before. So I thought that was really interesting. I, I would love to get both of you guys' opinion on this because, yeah, I mean, they started out, you know, I thought they were going to, of course, spend time on the regular season, the postseason, which they did, but I would say the first Gosh, if it's if it's almost 50 minutes long or 40 minutes long, I, I would say the first third was really devoted to training camp and kind of building that chemistry and what training camp was like. You guys have covered. I've never covered a training camp for a team. Um, I've covered them from, you know, a, the studio and, and covered a few different teams and that kind of stuff. But I've never been up close and personal. And they all really... Um, Miles, kind of like you said, you know, it's not the way it's always done now, but they all really felt like 
that training camp, how tough they played, how hard Fox was on them, all the things that they were doing, you know, cutting everything. I mean, that really set the tone for the season. What do you guys look for in training camp? Or have you ever seen a training camp where you go, oh, okay, this team, I see it here. Or is that something that maybe you can romanticize a little bit? Like these guys might have, you know, because the season went well, they say, okay, it all started at training camp. Like how much stock do you put when you see a, a, a team go through a full training camp? Well, you want to take this first or do you want me to handle it? Sure. Yeah. Like I, I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, um, it's hard to at training camp to say what's going to happen as a result of it. You know, you have guys, you know, every year that, you know, they're, you know you're, you're kind of like your training camp heroes that just have ridiculous training camps, always make plays every game, you know, or every practice. And then, you know, may not actually, you know, have the same level of production in the season um, for, for whatever reason. But I think when, when seasons do come together like that one, you know, it's you can look back and you can kind of see moments that that made sense because of what happened in training camp. I, I think that there's a especially at Wofford, especially in Spartanburg in that heat, um, you know, back in 2003 when they had two a days. And th there's mm. just something that those three weeks are the longest weeks of your life. And shoot, they're long if you're not actually playing football, if you're just there mm -hmm. and you're, you know, at every practice, you know, you don't forget any of those moments. And, you know, you're, you're just so emotionally connected to the people around you, to yeah. the people, you know, next to you in the huddle, next to you in the locker room, next to you running sprints, um, you know, when you're when you're in the, the hot tub and you can't feel anything uh, or the, 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 the cold tub or whatever it is, you know, you, so I think that there is that you know, that's what training camps do. They, they kind of bind you together. Um, and I think for, for the teams that end up really being successful, you know, they're, they're something that they look back on and realize, you know, how close they became and how strong those bonds became. Hey, you know, I think, so having covered the Rams for as long as I did, you know, the, I covered six and 10 team, you know, seven, nine, um, and then what they're four and 12 and 16, then Sean McVay comes in and they're 11 and five, and then they go 13 and three and they go to the Super Bowl. And so I guess the biggest difference that I feel like I saw between the Fisher years and the McVay years is how crisp things are at practice. And so I guess it's almost easier to tell if a team is bad than if a team is going to be <laughs> good. Because if a team is bad, then you're going to see drop passes. You're going to see them have to repeat plays. You're going to see one unit dominating the other unit, whether it's defense to offense or offense. If a defense is bad, then the offense is going to win every day. You want to see things be more balanced. Because look, sometimes, especially after a couple weeks where the defense starts to really get to understand what the offense is running because they've been doing it since OTAs, right? They've been going against the same players. And then you have a couple weeks of camp. And especially if you get a few practices in um, with pads, the defense starts to understand the way the offense is going to attack a practice and attack a day. So the defense starts to get an advantage. And then maybe one day, look, the defense is just going to dominate. But then the next day, the offense will dominate. So it starts to level itself out. But if one unit is dominating over the other the entire time, that is a bad sign because <laughs> it just means that one unit probably isn't up to snuff at all. So I think, like I said, it's probably easier to tell if a team is bad than if it's good. But I think about that 2018 training camp that the Rams had, and it was crisp. You know, you had guys 
people like Jared Goff just delivering a really accurate crisp ball most of the days, you know, and, you know, he's got all these receivers in Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and they knew what they were doing because at least in the case of, uh, of Cup and Woods, they'd been with Goff for a year already. They'd been in that Sean McVay offense. Brandon Cooks slid in very well and nicely. So, you can kind of tell when things are working from an offensive standpoint. And then on defense that year, you had Aaron Donald, um, who actually wasn't in training camp, now that I think about it, because of that contract dispute. But right. you had guys like Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, right? They were developing chemistry in the back end. So I think from that standpoint, yeah, like the, the Rams, you, you knew that they were supposed to be good and they looked like they could have a really good team. But at the same time, you don't quite know until you get out there. And if you get on a hot start, you know, like that 03 team did, where you win a few games in a row to start the season, then it's like, yes, training camp was what we thought it was. It clicks and then you're like, all right, let's keep this thing rolling. But I, it's, it's interesting. That is interesting. It kind of feeds into it. Like you said, if because they got off to the hot start, it all kind of is proof of, of what you're trying to do, right? Like mm-hmm. a training camp becomes more successful in your mind afterwards because you got off to the hot start. So you know it, you, you really formed something special there and you really practiced your butt off there. And then you start winning and then the last win feeds into the next win. And that's another thing those guys talked about was the, the belief that they had in every single game. And I thought the the stat, I mean, I went back and looked at it because it was so wild to me. Um, and Will, you're, you're Panthers stack guy, but um, five overtime games on the road and they won four of them. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of anything like that. That's, yeah, that's crazy. crazy. It, they had seven wins by three points or fewer. They won four road overtime games before the one in Atlanta where Jake was killing on Jordan for that overtime interception. <laughs> and great. and then they became the first team to overcome an 11-point deficit in the Super Bowl of the fourth quarter. Like, I mean, it, they, they just – I mean, it was funny because Smitty, like, made the joke, but it was kind of true. It was like, all right, fourth quarter time. He's like, yeah, because the, they wouldn't let us do anything on offense for the first three quarters. So <laughs> right. we always got to come back <laughs> and make it dramatic. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it really was, it, you know, that that's the, the power of, you know, believing that, you know, uh, that that offense, that that group, you know, that John Casey, you know, in, in clutch moments, yeah. know, Jake and Steve, that the defense could come up and make plays, you know, that like whenever they just, whenever they needed to stop, they got to stop, you know, that defense was so good, you know, when, when they needed, you know, the running game to, to move them down the field, you know, Stephen Davis and Deshaun Foster, you know, all, all of those guys just had such critical roles in, you know, in the in both the defense and offensive lines. You know, it, that that group was was so elite with Brenson Buckner, Chris Jenkins, Mike Rucker, Julius Peppers. Peppers was in his second year. You know, like all all those guys were just so good. Absolutely, and I I think watching this, one of the things that I I loved so much was getting to hear them relive all of these stories. Real of times like those, you know, hearing uh, Steve Smith say, yeah, well, we know it's going to be fourth quarter time uh, because you never let us do anything. Just hearing all of that kind of stuff, all of the um, the insight and the inside jokes. And I think that that's something that you can't uh, get unless all these guys are talking together. And we got so many great stories off of it. And that's something that I'm very conscious of as a host. That's what you hope for, you know, and I don't think that could be we wouldn't have gotten nearly the stuff that we did if it wasn't just all of those guys 
who were players and, and Kevin leading the conversation talking together. And I think that's the kind of stuff that as a fan, I absolutely love. And as a host, you hope to recreate all the time, but sometimes you just cannot, you cannot get to the heart of everything unless it's just the players talking. And I'm so grateful that they let us in uh, and that will you you came up with the idea because it's so cool to get a snapshot from their perspective of everything. But I got to say, we've been talking about this for 20 minutes and we haven't even gotten to the best part, bar none. The last five minutes, I may or may not have teared up watching it um, and just hearing Steve Smith talk. And, you know, everyone was was getting off the call. Kevin was kind of wrapping everything up. And he said, wait a second, I want to say something. And he just went into an incredibly heartfelt speech. And, and Will, I'd, I'd like you to kind of describe it for anyone who hasn't seen this yet, because uh, it's just so, I mean, it really did. It moved me to tears. So, you know, Steve essentially said, you know, guys, you know, I'm, I'm one of the youngest people in this group. And, you know, you guys taught me how to be a man. You taught me how to grow up. Uh, I wouldn't have been on the Panthers for as long as I had been if it weren't for you. Um, and you taught me how to be a father. And I think like that speaks so much to his his relationship with those guys, his relationship with, with that team, their relationship with each other. Um, and I, I think it, it speaks to how time can can change things. You know, when, when Steve was released by the Panthers uh, back in 2013, I think, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. And it wasn't completely amicable at that moment. But, you know, I, I think time and graciousness and humility by so many people involved, you know, can bring people back into family and can kind of reconnect family. And I think that that's what felt so real about that moment. And I mean, really, it's the last 12 months, you know, with with that Hall of Honor class and with Steve being back in the fold and, you know, unveiling his jersey last October. And, you know, I, I think this is a, another another piece of, of just how great it is to kind of allow time and, and space to really bring, you know, bring all that home. And I think that that was so cool for me to watch. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, he is bar none, one of my favorite Panthers. And it, just to see him open up like that. And like I said, it was, I mean, everyone was getting off the, the zoom and, and he stopped everything to tell all of them that. And I just thought it was just an incredible moment. Um, and you're right, it is almost cathartic as a, as a Panthers fan to see him back in the fold and, and doing these kinds of things and reliving these moments with us. Um, it's, it's just awesome. I absolutely loved it. Um, I did get a little choked up. Uh, Miles, I'm curious to know what you made kind of of, I mean, cause Will and I obviously have a very emotional attachment to it, but um, what did you think and you know, how, I guess, how have you viewed Steve Smith over the years and what did you think of seeing him open up like that? Well, sure. You know, first of all, I think when you think of the Panthers and they, the Panthers are younger than me, right? Like that, which is a weird thing to think about. Same. Yeah. Um, but especially just, you know, the way we think about football in this country and the NFL celebrating a hundred seasons last year. But because of that, when you think of the Panthers, there are not necessarily that many people that you think about that you would put on the proverbial Mount Rushmore of players who have been a part of this franchise. And Steve Smith Sr. is no doubt one of those players. Right? So I think the fact that, you know, as Will said, it, it was pretty public, I think, you know, when um, Steve Smith was released and then he ended up going to the Ravens that, you know, everything was not necessarily sunshine and roses between him and the franchise. And so to see him back 
to see one of the people who is on that Mount Rushmore of Panthers players um, being emotional and talking about how those members of the organization really helped shape his life. I thought that was awesome to see. And the other thing that I really thought was awesome was how he said, hey, guys, in a couple of years, there's going to probably be a ceremony in Ohio <laughs> that we'll all get together for. And, you know, he's talking about putting on a gold jacket and being enshrined in the Hall of Fame, which he undoubtedly should be, you know, if not in the first class for when he's eligible. And I, forgive me, I'm not exactly sure when that will be. Um, than within the first couple of years because he is one of the best receivers to ever play the game. And he did it at such a high level so consistently for so many years. So, yeah, it, it's as even as somebody who did not follow the Panthers as closely as you two did, I, I think just as a fan of football and a fan of this sport and a fan of this league, like it's it's really cool to see somebody connect with their teammates and the former coach like that. Yeah, I absolutely loved the entire thing. Um, but before we move on, and of course, you know, I'm assuming that you, if you are listening to this, you have watched it. But um, if you haven't, you, you got to go out and, and watch it immediately. It's so incredible. But before we wrap up the conversation, Will, since you had such a big part of this, is there anything that we haven't touched on that was a favorite moment of yours? I mean, I had to get Rod Smart running on the treadmill out there right off the bat, but I want to make sure that you got a chance to share your uh, favorite moments as well, since you were so heavily involved. I mean, I think we, we touched on most of them. And, you know, I, I think what what's funny is that group could have kept going, you know, and it was almost mm. like there was this there was this feeling of like no one really, you know, everyone kind of understood, you know, hey, you know, we everyone has something to do. and We've got different things we need to get going to. But man, can we just stay here and just keep doing this for hours and hours and hours? And, you know, I, I think that like, that's, what's so cool and special about those guys. And, and to be able to have a small, very small hand in getting them all together, um, you know, w was really cool as well. So hopefully, you know, hopefully Panthers fans, you know, both new fans and old fans will kind of be able to connect to that. You know, I think that season, you know, there's, there's points and times in your life where, you know, something that you're a big part of, you know, really has, has an impact. I know a lot of new Panther fans, you know, that 2015 season going to the Super Bowl, going 15 and one is something they'll never forget. You know, for, or for a lot of Panthers fans, that 2003 season was kind of that, you know, that first real Panther experience. And, you know, they've been fans ever since. So hopefully this um, can kind of, uh, you know, be, be like a, a nice memory and a nice like reminiscence of that. Absolutely. I'm so happy we have it on the record. Um, and thank you for all you did to to make it happen. And yeah, if 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 fans are watching and you want to tweet us any of your favorite moments that that we forgot about, uh, let us know because I'm sure there's. I mean, there were so many good pranks in there that I I'm sure that we're forgetting a couple. <laughs> um, okay, but we're gonna leave that there for now because we have got to move on to what we are now calling our weird question of the week, and it is inspired uh, by Will, who last week <laughs> asked us to. Um, what was it, it? The best music video that is associated with a, a movie, and the music video still holds up, but the movie doesn't. Am, am I essentially getting the plot points of that one right? Yeah, yeah. It was like, like the so song, oddly like specific, the song, and we had song, such a obviously, yes. Yeah, you know, the song way outclassed the movie that it somehow got associated with. Absolutely. Uh, Miles and I chose Seal, uh, Kissed by a Rose. You had Dave Matthews. Uh, it was great. It was so much fun. And so we decided to make this kind of a, a weekly segment. And Miles, you came up with the question this week. I did. So I, and it is as follows. 
if you were to create a perfect three course meal or four or whatever, however many courses you want it to be, but it's a dinner. And if you were to create the perfect meal, what would it be? I think this is a no brainer for me. I really thought about going candy, candy, candy. Um, just because if it's my three course meal, I get to pick whatever I want. But um, now look, I, like I'd say- a stomach ache later. <laughs> Well, I kind of also looked at it as if this were like my last meal too. I mean, I guess it could be, you know, any meal, but isn't that kind of how you think like, you know, no consequences after the fact. Like, okay. I don't want to worry about, you know, if the candy is going to, you know, make my stomach hurt or anything, but I'm going to go. And I will say this, I've had some pretty great meals, some pretty fancy meals. I've, I've had the good fortune to travel. I'm going to go with this one and I cannot wait to see what Miles thinks because from our first podcast, I know Miles, like you don't eat cereal. Um, don't. Yeah, so I think yours is going to be pretty fancy. I'm going to go first course. My grandma, my nana, her buttermilk biscuits. They're the secret recipe. The Ooh. absolute best. I mean, I could eat four if, uh, if you know, I just, I didn't have to save any for anybody else. They're the best homemade biscuits I've ever had. Tons of butter. I mean, just like fresh out of the oven. That's going to be, that's going to be first I'm going fried chicken and and whatever else you want to put on the sides. We could do some potatoes. We could do some green beans, some okra, all of mm. it. Like a true Sunday dinner. Uh, the kinds that I used southern. to have. Yeah. Well, I grew up. I mean, I, I mean, grew up yeah. here yeah, in North I mean, Carolina. We had great. Sunday lunch every uh, every Sunday at my grandmother's house. Um, and that's always just been like my favorite. Like if you were going to say what meal would make you the happiest, it'd be this one. I'm going to follow it up, though. I do love desserts. I'm going for it. Full cookout Oreo milkshake. Fancy shake is what I believe they're called for the dessert. That's my perfect meal. I stand by it. Will, what is wow. your perfect meal? <laughs> All right. So my, mine is just a, a whole array of unhealthiness. And I, I don't think Let's I'd go. ever put this whole thing together because I would immediately be dead by the end of the night. But this is an exercise in, in this. So let's do it. Start with bacon jalapeno poppers. Oh, bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers. Have you guys had those? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you start with that, and then obviously, you know, it's going to go downhill or uphill from there. Uh, <laughs> a a porterhouse steak with like some some grilled like from the grill uh, like grilled vegetables around it, um, and then finish with a key lime pie. Oh, oh key lime pie, great cool. choice. Well, I have so much. Well, you know what? We're we're definitely friends now because your nice. meal is actually very good. Yeah, what a good go. meal! Except, well, I have to ask you this question. Well, I'm not going to say. I'm not, I didn't hear Miles say anything about mine, but that's fine. Whatever. Well, I didn't, like, Miles is just all like, right, oh, well, you're southern. <laughs> all right. Well, how would your steak be cooked? We could just move on from that. Uh, that slight. That I mean, Miles there's just gave there's me. there's only one answer to that. I mean, right? There's only one good answer. I, I mean, medium rare. One okay Whew. all right you were yeah. so we were, we were we were making we took you for a well done guy well done took you for a well done guy if you never. if you had said well done all of that progress that we had just made on our first <laughs> had just been lost so yep. if you did yep. congratulations you passed a test all right well, let's just say week three yeah week three 30 minutes into the episode we have gotten miles first declaration that will is his friend we'll of course be checking on that next week all right miles i do got will that is a that is a great meal i love the key lime pie Miles, what is yours? Um, so I would have to start with some sort of a mouche bouche, and I don't necessarily know. Like it could be kind of anything. But, How are like, you gonna ask the question and not have Mary. a? 
okay, but you can't ask the question and then say it could be anything. Because, no, because, look, the amuse-bouche is not really a course, right? That's just how you, that's how you tease your mouth. That's literally basically what it is in French. It's a mouth teaser. So that's how we start. Like something like a little shot of a Bloody Mary that doesn't necessarily have alcohol, you know, like a little piece of bacon or whatever you put in there. That'd be interesting. Um, I would probably then go to the first course with a, would be probably seafood, probably a good shrimp cocktail. And I don't know about you guys, but I totally love the shrimp cocktail that you get at St. Elmo's and Harry and Izzy's in Indianapolis. Now I once went to another Indianapolis establishment that said, oh, like you can get the shrimp cocktail here and you can still taste the rest of your food after. I won't name the establishment because that was really rude. And also if you can't handle the heat, then just don't get the shrimp cocktail. Like it's really, really good. I love the fact that it clears out my sinuses. Then I would follow that up <laughs> um, with the main course, which would be a beautiful filet mignon, absolutely cooked medium rare and probably on the rare side of medium rare with a side of green beans. Now, to me, steak and green beans is just the absolute perfect dinner. I don't necessarily need mashed potatoes. I don't need a starch. Just give me the protein and the vegetable and we're good. And to finish that off with a dessert, I would say I would love to have a pineapple cake. Not necessarily pineapple upside down cake, but the best thing I've ever had in my entire life was a pineapple cake that I had at McCormick and Schmick. Now this is probably 10 to 15 years ago and we had it for dessert in Baltimore. And I will never forget because it was the best thing that I'd ever tasted in my life, bar none. So that would be my perfect meal. And actually we put a side of vanilla bean ice cream, uh, preferably actually vanilla bean gelato from Talenti. I think that would make the perfect meal. Can, can we just quickly say about how Miles very subtly tried to dunk on us by saying how much of a combine aficionado he is for all of Yeah, he was St. Elmo's just right up oh, there. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, I know all about Indy for my various trips up there. When I go to the, when the Jerry Jones experience. and I sit, yeah, when Jerry Jones and I sit in the back room, we always <laughs> get the shrimp cocktail and the best bottle of red wine. I will say though, I have heard so many things about St. Elmo's. I've never been to the combine. So I am looking forward to one day um, having that shrimp cocktail. Miles, if if, uh, if you'll allow me to join the very fancy, I promise I won't order fried chicken. I do have a more refined palate, but if I'm going for my favorite meal, that's what it's gonna be. But, I was um, not trying to say that like your meal was bad. I like your <laughs> meal. It just would not be my favorite meal. It's a little heavy for me, but like fried chicken and okra, like that's great. I love it. Um, and biscuits for to start, no, no. I bet your grandma's biscuits are delicious. They are the best. They are absolutely the best. Uh, guys, this was so much fun. Biggest takeaway, go watch the O3 reunion if you haven't. And Will and Miles are officially friends, at least for right now. Uh, yeah. Okay, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Pie. Key lime pie is one of my favorite desserts, so that's what really key lime, over the top. Uh, look, look, key lime pie. If you don't like key lime pie, I don't know what's wrong with you. So. Um, true. All right. Well, we are going to wrap it up here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Happy Half Hour. We'll see you where Will and Miles stand next week in their friendship. Um, and we'll talk to you later. <laughs> oh. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.